Welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike across from me, Shane Bishop. My name is Mike Wooten. Today on the show, we have an interview with Ashley Cooper, wonderful man from England. You're going to love to hear his story. First, Shane Bishop is here. Shane, how are you doing this day? I'm doing fantastic, Mike. And having Ash here, uh, who's the principal at Cliff College in England, and principal over there is, is really like president here. You know, we always mm-hmm. think of principal as, as elementary school or secondary, yeah. but that's actually would be like a college president here. Yeah. But I was thinking about the, I, I've made several trips to England over the years. I, I've got to preach. I, I've got to teach. Uh, I, I've been on some touring things over there. And so I really have greatly developed a, a love for the country. Uh, Ashley has become one of my very, very best friends one of the things, Mike, that's changed since the pandemic, I, I know that when the pandemic set in, I had two or three scheduled appearances in England, right? And because of the pandemic, they all got canceled, all, right. all of them. Yeah. And then they ended up saying, hey, would you yes, just right. Zoom? Yes. So here's what happens, Mike. Here's what happens. You have to put all of the work in yeah. to do these, right? Mm-hmm. You don't get to go to England and... You don't really get paid either. I mean, here you go do these things, and and it's just like an incredible disappointment. You yeah. think you're going to go to England Special. and do all these things, and it just doesn't happen. So I would say that my English connection mm-hmm. feels severed through the pandemic in a way that it's unlikely to ever boot back up again. Do you think you'll ever go back? Well, I'm huge in England. I mean, I'm just huge there. So yeah. the chances that I go back Beatles are and you. really slim, okay. really slim. There's really no market yeah. for me there uh, now. But you, Mike, you went to England on like an educational tour, right? Did like one of the Wesley tour kind of things? Shane, I went on it and I really enjoyed it, but I ran into a problem right away. I know what that problem was, but go ahead and tell our audience. I actually have a very short attention span. You do. And so we went on this tour, this Wesleyan tour, got to see places where John Wesley uh, grew up, where he ministered, got to see the beautiful places of uh, of England, the countryside. We went to London. The problem is, is that I don't stay interested in one thing very long. So what I decided to do on this trip was make a bunch of short videos that became popular well, in my little network, for a while. And I would consider them educational videos. What would you consider them? Wholly inappropriate okay. is what I would go with. Maybe <laughs> attempts at comedy. Uh, and basically, you had Mike in some of the most important Christian sites in England paying no attention whatsoever to anything but trying to amuse himself yes. on video. And then hoping others would be amused. And to your defense, I do feel like I, I watched some of them. And they were funny. They, they really were. They would have been funnier had I not known you, you know. But uh, here I am representing. Here you are representing us. It's sort of like having Conan O'Brien as your associate pastor. But, you know, he's much taller than you really. Yes, and much more successful. Well, you know, well, yeah, I mean, that didn't need to be said. Well, he, he's not all that successful. He doesn't have your job. <laughs> no, so true. there. So there. No. But no. Uh, so as you kind of look back, what was your reflections uh, on your trip in England? 
Well, first of all, I still feel good about that comedy act. I, I don't. You have, still feel I, good about it. There's no regret. Some of your best work. Some of my best work. Yeah. There's no regret yet, but I know I'll get older and I'll probably regret it. No, regret you it. never will. No, it was a beautiful place, uh, and, and it was impactful uh, to know kind of the history of Methodism. And actually, in our interview with Ashley, we're going to find a little bit more out about that history of Methodism uh, with him. You know, it is kind of interesting to me with Ashley that a friendship that sort of accidentally develops 10 years ago has not only ended up being somebody who's, who's really one of my closest friends, but also has taught me so much. And I've learned so much about another country, about another culture. And maybe most of all, I've learned that at the end of the day, people are a whole lot more the same than they are different. Mike, tell us about Ashley Cooper. Yeah, Ashley Cooper is our guest today. He is the president of Cliff College in England. We're going to hear a lot from his story. It's going to come down to going when God tells you to go, staying when God tells you to stay. He's going to share some interesting things about Billy Graham in England and at Cliff College. He's going to talk about uh, the UK and Christianity, all kinds of great stuff. It is our pleasure to welcome Ashley Cooper. First of all, Ashley is coming to us from England. And Ashley, tell the story. How, how was it that you and I met? Well, we've got to go back quite a way for that, I think. It's probably uh, getting over 10 years ago, if not more. Probably about yeah, 10 you years looked, ago. I was on a, you looked a lot I was, younger then. I, I do remember I, that. You looked a bit younger as well, but that's fine. <laughs> um, we've, aged, we've aged well, though, Shane, and thankfully oh, we this have. is an audio. We that's have. Great. Um, yeah, about 10 years ago, I was on a sabbatical, which in the in the UK, uh, Methodist ministers get a three month sabbatical every so often, about every seven years. Um, and we it's not it's not three months off. It's three months to go and explore, to do something different, to re-energize. And I was at that point in a church that was growing quite fast in UK terms. And I wanted to explore leadership models in growing churches and uh Somebody said, you need to go and talk to Shane Bishop. If you want to talk about growing church and leadership models in growing churches, this is the guy. I'd never heard of this guy, kind of, anyway. So I, I turned up in St. Louis. Uh, you and I grabbed lunch, I think, and the story started there. Then we probably grabbed pizza, I think, or something. It, it could well be. It could well be. Yeah, and and really, not only have we developed a uh, professional a relationship. I mean, I, I've come over to England a few times. You've been yeah. over here a few times, but uh, we've developed a, a very rich and deep friendship that has Absolutely. offered great and value. That's blessed us, and that, I hope that's blessed you and the church at Christchurch and the family. And it's certainly blessed us and my ministry. It's really enriched our friendships, enrich the ministry here in the UK. Well, I couldn't agree more from our end. So, Ashley, uh, I've come over a few times, done a few conferences, usually around evangelism type of things. Uh, you've come over several times and uh, led some Navigating Change conferences. You've, you've also always preached when you come over, and you're a very popular preacher here at Christ it's Church. The accent, but, Shane, it's nothing to do with the content. The content's uh, usually terrible, but the accent well, is what kind of wins, really. Well, when I'm your way, I'm the one with a cool accent. <laughs> 
So great. I like I that. I remember somebody saying in one, I think it was one of the services at the end of Christchurch, they said to me, I have no idea what you said, but it sounded lovely. <laughs> <laughs> great. That's really encouraging. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and, and we really haven't seen each other in about three years because yeah. of the pandemic. Uh, yeah. I look forward to uh, just getting back to a little normalcy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being back with you guys and sharing and worship with you. I, I really enjoy worshiping with you guys. Worship's always great at Christchurch and just being part of the life and the family. I made some good friends and that's always good. So uh, hopefully soon we'll be face to face rather than just on a on a call like this. Oh, absolutely. Well, I know you're missed here, Ashley. Now, Ashley, you and I have had a few conversations over the years. They've yeah. been wonderful. Uh, but I really don't know your kind of ministry journey until where you are, where you are now at Cliff College. Could you share with us and with our audience that journey? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I came, I'm a Methodist minister in the UK, so I, I, I work for the Methodist Church here. Uh, I've been in a number of appointments serving the church. I basically do wherever the church sends me. Uh, I go. That's how it works. And it's fairly similar in the U.S. context. But where the church sends me, that's where I go. And so I started in a fairly small church uh, in the middle of England, a place called Helsby. And I had about 60 members was the church I kind of started at. I was there for four years. And what I realized in that first appointment was that I'm, 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 I'm more an evangelist than I am a pastor. Mm-hmm. I, 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 what I want to do is tell people about Jesus. Hmm. Other people can go and have cups of tea and cake with with older people and spend their time just sitting, nurturing the flock. I actually want to be out and face to face with those that haven't yet come into a relationship with Christ, because that's what I'm passionate about. And actually, don't don't you think it's essential as, as pastors, particularly as young pastors, that we get in touch with what we would say here in the States turns our crank? That we get in touch with what gives us passion for ministry. That helps guide us, doesn't it? Absolutely. I know there are things in every job we have to do that don't, in your language, turn our crank or fire us up. But we need to make sure there's a lot of what does fire us up uh, and keeps us focused. And for me, that's the that's the evangelism part of mission and ministry. Uh, So in that first going back to your question, Mike, in that first church, in the four years I was there, we grew from about 60 members to 120 members. It was really encouraging. And that, that whole being passionate then about growing church and church growth and believing that churches can grow which in the UK context is an interesting uh, perspective because a, a lot of our talk is around decline and declining churches interestingly in our in our main book what we call a CPD our constitution practice and discipline there's lots in there about how we close a church but nothing about how we open one and how we start one which wow. is just fascinating what, what yeah. are we really thinking God's going to do with us and then I moved, I did four years in that, that appointment, and then the church moved me to work in London uh, through our head office in the evangelism team of the Methodist Church. So I worked as an evangelism enabler for the, the connection here and kind of so, traveled across the UK. Go on. So Ashley, so they discovered uh, you had that gift as well. It was identified so, within uh, the Methodist Church there. Yeah, exactly. So I started to focus on evangelism as my key uh, priority, really. Probably because um, so many people said, Ashley just doesn't like to have tea with us. <laughs> we, he comes he, by, he, he stays and minutes. We, we want him to stay so much longer. He's terrible at, at this. Surely he's good at something else. Is that kind of how it went? It, it may have been a little bit like that, Shane, but you know, <laughs> I think I was quite pleased there was a recognition of, uh, of something. <laughs> 
But mm. I, I spent a great four years working in the, our, our national team. That was really good for me. It was a growing period for me. And to see, it, it meant I could see the Methodist Church in the UK in all its breadth, mm. which was quite eye-opening as well, because I'd been quite narrow in my, uh, to that point, my understanding of the Methodist Church. It was what I had known and the local church I had known. Uh, whereas this enabled me to see the breadth of the church and actually think people think differently to me, um, uh, which challenged me quite a lot, actually, because I had to then work. How do I work with people who think differently to me, both theologically and their life experiences different to mine? And yeah, so that's been that was an interesting four years. And then from there, I had my arm twisted to go and work in a place called Swanbank in Burslem in Stoke-on-Trent, um, which was one of the largest Methodist churches in the UK. Uh, and became the largest Methodist church in the UK, worshiping congregation-wise, and just a great place to be in terms of mission and ministry. And I was really clear when I went to meet with the team there on day one, I said, look, you need to know I'm evangelist. If you want a pastor that's just going to come and pastorally look after your flock, that ain't me. <laughs> so let's put a pastoral team in place that can do some of that. And of course, I'm going to want to pastor that people. And when there's big situations around, I want to be sure. involved in that. But I want to spend most of my time outside the walls of this church. I want to work in the Burslem community. I want to get to know the needs of this community and really invest in that and find ways to communicate who Jesus is in the midst of that in ways that make sense for them. And actually, tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about the Burslem community, because I, I know when I was at uh, Stoke-on-Trent, one day we were going to a certain place and we couldn't go because they were filming uh, Peaky Blinders. They were. So tell us a little bit about that ministry context. How many folk listening to this will have heard of Peaky Blinders? I, I don't know. Six? No. No, because no. We, we estimate there are up to 13 people who listen to this podcast. Oh, you see. Thinking six of them, less than half, have heard of Peaky Blinders, perhaps. I think Don Fraser will have heard of Peaky Blinders. Yes, I think you're he probably correct. Everything English TV. I found that out from him. So anything English TV he watches. So it's his love language, English TV. That's that that's okay. what turns his crank. Um, Stoke-on-Trent, it's a community that's been around a long time. It grew up in the Industrial Revolution in the UK in the 1700s, really. And it became the centre of pottery making for the UK and actually centre of pottery making for the world. So there was a period when 90% of the world's pottery came from within a two or three mile radius of the Swanbank Church building. Uh, so Royal Dalton, Wedgwood, Spode, all the kind of big names in pottery making in the 1700s, 1800s all came from within a mile. So uh, if you go back a few years, uh, within a mile circle of Swanbank, the church, there were 75 pottery firms. Now there are three pottery firms. There's been an absolute <laughs> collapse uh, within that industry in the UK. A lot of it's moved to China. A lot of it's moved to cheaper places where you don't necessarily need to pay people well. Or, uh, and so it's all moved and gone, which means our community is now one of serious poverty, deprivation, um, people high unemployment um, with lots of folk who are struggling to read and write. There's lots of illiteracy. Mm. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an area with massive need, 
but it's got a rich history and heritage. And so you walked into, uh, I tried to take you for coffee in a place called Middleport Pottery. That's a bit of a museum of pottery. And it's owned, interestingly owned by, as was when you and I went, Prince Charles. Uh, now, of course, he's not Prince Charles. He's taken a bit of an upgrade. Uh, so um, he's become a bit of a king now. So, uh, but it was owned by Prince Charles at the time. But because of its heritage, it goes right the way back to those early days of the pottery. It was used for filming Peaky Blinders because it was a, a kind of a set. It looked like a film set. So, um, yeah, we couldn't get in and get coffee, which was a shame. But it was also uh, an incredible context for an evangelist to walk oh, into. Yeah, just um, unbelievable, really. And, and for me, the, the place was just open to hear hope, um, peace something beyond us that can actually make a difference to us. The, the community was ready to hear good news. It, it had been sold bad news for so long. It had been sold that this is just a dead area. Nothing good comes out of Stoke-on-Trent. Well, they said something about Nazareth, something similar, didn't they? So I know something good comes out of Stoke-on-Trent and, and hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And if you really engage with him. Now, of course, it meant we were growing quite rapidly as a church. Because folk were saying, yeah, we're bought into that and wanting to know more about Jesus. And so very quickly we started to grow. But we didn't grow with, uh, interestingly, our finances didn't grow. Um, so we didn't grow with people who could invest in the life of the church. And, and we believe in tithing and giving as part of the discipleship response. But that's really difficult when you're you're dealing with families where it's a single mother with five kids who's already struggling to feed the kids. Sure. Mm -hmm. I struggle to talk mm -hmm. about money in that context. Mm. Um, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus there in that house? And right. so it was a it, it was tough. It wasn't easy. It was difficult times. So, but exciting times because we saw the Holy Spirit just move through the community. So, Ashley, where are you at now? Ah, that's a great. So I, I think I surprised Shane a few years ago when I said, I think we sat in your office and I said, I'm thinking of applying for a different job. Um, I did 11 years at Swan Bank. Um, and, and in one sense, I could, have, I could have happily stayed. It was a great place to be. But I just felt the call of God to move on to do something different. And I'm now at a place called Cliff College, Mike, which is um, it's one of two training institutions that the Methodist Church in the UK has. We have two training institutions, one in a place called Birmingham that's about 100 miles south of where I'm currently sat. Birmingham Queen's College trains all of our um, ministers for ordination. So they do the formation for ordination training specifically. Uh, what I say is what we do at Cliff College is train everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, so we just train people from the age of 18 who want to just engage with theology. We, we, we train folk who are in lay leadership in local churches, in pastoral ministries, in youth ministries, folk who've been ordained and want to go further. So we do MAs and PhDs in mission um, and, and evangelism and leadership and renewal. So we do everything else. We've got, so we've got two undergraduate programs, a master's program, a PhD program, lots of shorter courses for folk who just want to be upskilled in areas of ministry. We have a gap year program for folk who want to explore what God's saying to them as young people. So it, it's just, for me, an incredible place to be because I start working with folk at the very early stages of ministry where God's literally just putting a call on their <laughs> life. And we can invest in that. And I'm working with folk who've been in ministry for 30 years, but going, there's still so much more I need to learn and, and come and do an MA with us or a PhD with us. And that's just exciting. Ashley, it's amazing because I, I heard the passion you have to reach people for Christ. 
that was clear. And now I'm hearing a similar passion, even yeah. though this is a different type of, of role you're filling, which yeah. is just incredible to watch from my point of view. Yeah. And actually, uh, right. two, two thoughts. First of all, I think our audience should know Cliff College is located in one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in in the world. Tell us a little bit about the environment of Cliff College, because it's incredible. Well, I, I, I'm sat at my desk, because you can see there's loads of stuff around me. But if I look to my left, um, you, know, you can't see that because this is an audio. <laughs> but if you, if, you look, if you were to look behind me right now, the, you'd see all my study. But if I look to my left, there's just open fields. It's an open space. We are literally in the middle of something called the Peak District, which is a, a national park in the UK. It's one of the most beautiful locations you could possibly imagine with old country houses around us. There's a place just literally two miles away called Chatsworth House. It is stunning. Um, if you've ever seen the film with Keira Knightley called The Duchess, it was filmed there. Uh, some amazing film locations because it's just stunning. And so we bring people to come and live on this site with us, which is just phenomenal. What an amazing place to live for a few years. So, Ashley, if somebody, let, let's say Cliff College, uh, if, if somebody says, hey, I, I would love to get some spiritual formation or, or maybe even uh, get just sort of reborn in, in their passion for ministry, they want to do it in, in one of the most beautiful locations in the world. Tell us a little bit about your gap year program. Yep. Tell us a little bit about your mixed mode, because these are things that people can do right now. Yeah, absolutely. And we offer accommodations. If somebody just wants to come to the UK, stay with us for a week or two weeks or a month, they can do that on our site and we can help them explore the UK in that process. We have lots of folk who come on sabbaticals or to taking short breaks who want to explore kind of Wesleyan things in the UK or just see the UK. We, we can accommodate that. But our gap year program is something we've been piloting over the last few years. Um, it's a, it really is a, a year, a vocational year. So somebody in, in possibly in transition periods, maybe they've just finished high school and they're not sure what degree they want to do, or they've just finished their degree and maybe they're questioning where, where's God calling me to work and to go. They come and spend a year with us. They live in the rhythm of our college life. They do prayers with us each day. They worship with us. They eat with us. They do a number of kind of training programs around leadership and evangelism with us. We take them out on mission across the UK. They get to see the UK church as well. And so we're hoping this is really an opportunity for folk around the globe to come and spend a year with us. So we've currently got a student from the US who's just finished high school, not quite sure where she's heading for degree. She's coming to spend a year with us. Um, she's a, a Baptist, actually, but she's coming to spend a year with us here at Cliff College. So we'd be great to have some, some of you guys come and spend a year with us at Cliff. It's open. It costs £2,000. That's about $2,500 for the year. Incredible. Everything yeah. in, accommodation, wow. all food, all trips, everything wow. for the year. Wow. Which is just a phenomenal price. Absolutely. And we want to make this a gift to a young person, partly because we think they'll encounter God in that year. They'll get a vocational experience. Our hope is that when they leave Cliff, they know exactly what it is God's asking of them as they go. It's beautiful. Um, that's, that's the vocational gap year. Uh, we're, we're just launching a new undergraduate program called a BA in Theology and Mission, so a Bachelor of Arts in Theology and Mission. Um, that's validated by the University of Manchester here in the UK, which is a high-level high university, one of the top universities in the UK. Um, and that's the first time we're offering a mixed mode degree validated by a university 
in that someone can do that from any location in the world. Um, and they can either do it by being residential here at Cliff if they choose to, or they can do it remotely by, by becoming part of our remote classroom. Uh, or they can choose to do it either, a bit of both. They say, well, I may do most of it from, a, say, a location in the US, but I want to go and do one semester, one term at Cliff and do the teaching on site. They could do that. So they could do two and a half of their years remotely on a site anywhere in the world, and they could come and do a few months with us here on site at Cliff, which is just, again, a great opportunity. And they come out with a, a University of Manchester degree, which is just superb for us. Absolutely. Now, Ashley, if somebody was interested in this or knew somebody that was, how would they get a hold of Cliff College? Well, they could just go to the website. That's probably the easiest thing to do, which is just cliffcollege.ac.uk on on the web. Um, Or or they could just contact me directly. And I'm very happy. Um, So my email address is really simple. It's principal at uh, cliffcollege.ac.uk. It's really easy. and We'll just find a way of helping you understand what we do, what we offer, and how you can engage with us. Well, before we get off of Cliff College, first of all, when, when I visited, uh, the, the Billy Graham visit uh, is, is such an historical thing that it has such great interest for Americans. And, you know, Americans kind of got infatuated with The Crown, the, uh, oh. the miniseries. And I thought one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen was the Queen's encounter with Billy Graham. It yeah. was just brilliant. Incredible. Just a little bit about that historic visit. So uh, 1964, uh, literally where I'm sat, if I look to the left of where I'm sat, uh, as I talk to you, I see the terrace, which is where Billy Graham preached in 1964. Um, we had tens of thousands of people. He preached seven times in the day, again and again and again. The photos of it are, are, are Billy Graham in a big raincoat because it was bucketing down with rain apart from when <laughs> Billy preached. It stopped raining when Billy preached. Uh, and the, the tales are told of kind of the heavens opening and shining. You know, it's amazing tales of history. But the reality it. is he preached, uh, thousands came, lives were transformed. And it, it's part of the history of the college that's just one of our favorite moments. And there's pictures of that up all over the place, which is just exciting for us. But you are absolutely right. That encounter with him and the Queen was phenomenal. Um, and she, she clearly had a good whatever the truths of everything we see on the crown uh, she clearly had a good relationship with billy graham and that was um part of her faith journey that as 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 a englishman we've seen played out over the years as she's talked about her faith she's talked about her relationship with jesus publicly she's talked about that every christmas she does a speech or did do a speech for the uk these last five to 10 years, that's been more and more overtly Christian in the way she's delivered that and talked about a, the need for a personal relation with Jesus, Jesus being the hope of our communities. That's been phenomenal. Uh, to and, and I'm really, I, I've met the Queen, um, which I'm really honoured to have met the Queen and shaken her hand. Um, not every UK person can say that, but I, I feel privileged that she's been the Queen of the United Kingdom for so long with such a personal faith. Mm. That's been really, really good to see. Well, certainly uh, moved. I think all of America was just truly moved. Uh, by... it's, been, it's been a very interesting period for us here okay. in the UK politically. Well, that, that is a whole set of conversations for us because we've been through three prime ministers in three months. Yeah. Um, and we've lost a queen and gained a king. And it's all been 
the, the, the change here has been rapid uh, and unsettling for many people. But again, it's an opportunity to communicate something of a hope and one that doesn't change. So um, talk to us a little bit about uh, the state of Christianity, the state of Methodism in England. Clearly, you know, the Queen offered such an historic time of stability. And since then, you've, ha- you've got the revolving door prime ministers and, and it seems like there's nonstop drama going on. Uh, in, in the midst of that, you, you have a church. Uh, that is the legacy of John Wesley that has not done well in recent decades. Talk to us about the state of Christianity in England. Yeah, uh, if, we, if we talk about Christianity, there'll be lots of light and positives. If we talk about Methodism, it's difficult to find those light and positives. Um, there's, uh, the UK has a number of growing churches. They're not often within the mainstream institutions. They're in new church plants. They're in uh, new forms of church. They're in outside of often the walls. My, my daughter finds herself in a vineyard church currently mm. outside of Methodism. Sure. Um, and I, I praise God she's found her way into a church. But yes, I, I'm sad that she couldn't find her way into a Methodist church. Mm. But but hey, that's 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 one bit of the story the the, the methodist story in the uk is a, is a difficult one um uh, the uk church has struggled in recent years we are in a period of decline but we're trying to have conversations about how we stem that decline and how we communicate faith and evangelism but the reality is we're in an aging denomination that is getting smaller and will get smaller from where we are right now the question for some of us who are still involved in that denomination is where do we put our energy where do we put our resources and time? Where are the places that will that can grow? And where are the places that will, will still be here in five to ten years' time that we really want to make sure carry the heritage of this denomination moving forward? Well, it's a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge, particularly for young people like your daughter. Yeah. If the message of the church is we are sinking, come and help us bail, yeah. that, that is not a very compelling message. I I think there's so much drama in the world. There, there's there's so many things mm-hmm. that are pulling people so many directions. I, I don't think they want more of that when they go to church. No. Uh, it, it becomes a real challenge, doesn't it? So how does somebody like you, who is a product of the institution, how do you find the creativity to try to lead an institution to be uh, less institutional and actually reach people? That's a challenge. It is. And I guess in one sense, uh, Mike, you talked about my passion for the role that I'm currently in. I, I could stay in one local church and, and, I, and I believe I have the gifts and skills and, and, and God's gifted me to, to build local church and to grow local church. But I think as I get older and we talked about losing hair, Shane, and all of that, and maybe we've aged in 10 years. As, as we get older, what do I want to invest my time in? Mm. Um, and I think I want to invest my time in leaders who get it leaders who understand actually we've got to be engaged in the world we've got to find ways of communicating christ in Mm. a contemporary context we've got to love our communities and find ways to to build new places and new church communities for new people that it's not going to be the institution as it is that's going to be attractive there needs to be new places for folk to encounter the gospel Um, so i think what i'm trying to do now is 
to to instill that in in a whole group of leaders or those that are currently involved in leadership. And and I I still try and get out and about. So this last weekend I was in a, an amazing little place called Stonehouse Methodist Church uh, in a Cheltenham, which is just south of Birmingham from here, about two hours, uh, with a group of about 25 key church members who were just going, we want to do something different. We want to do something new. We want to communicate the gospel. We don't think God's finished with us. So I just spent a weekend with them going, what's possible here? What's God saying to us here? Let's 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 work out what the next steps are here. So I spent a great weekend talking mission, really, with a whole group of people who were just fired up and wanting to go. So I think there are folk who are going, we need to do something. We recognize we've got to do something new. And it's finding it's just making sure we get to those people before they're too old or, or too tired or too worn out uh, while there's still life. Uh, and I think in the UK, we're going to lose a lot of our churches in the Methodist context in the next five to 10 years. But some will survive. And we need to invest in making sure those that can do and then planting a whole load of new things that God can use to encounter folk with the gospel. Well, I think we're in experimental time. Uh, yeah. You know, I look at what's happening in in America. Clearly, you all are in Europe, but we're we're very connected these days. And you know, we we we're all in a time of of political division. Right now, we're we're coming out of a pandemic. Uh, economies are really struggling right now with a whole myriad of, of issues. It's just a difficult, difficult time. So Ashley, for you, uh, how is God using you? What is your vision for hope as you move forward, as we kind of wind down to the end of this interview? What, what, what propels you forward? I mean, you're, you're part of that. You're part of an institution. We obviously left our institution. At some point for me, I got tired of always chasing parked cars and wondering why I had a headache. It just seemed like you're always running up against barriers and and it just gets exhausting at a certain time, but you've stayed in. Uh, Tell me about your hope. That's a really, really good question. And in one sense, I I, I wish God had called me out in many, many ways, because I think that would be easier for me. Um, but God hasn't called me out. And he called me into this in 1996 when I had a call to ministry in the Methodist Church. And a number of folk have said to me, particularly in the last couple of years, when we've had a particular set of conversations in the Methodist Church in the UK, a number of folk have said to me, why are you still there? Well, God hasn't yet called me out of it. So when God calls me out, I hope I'll be obedient to do that. But he hasn't. And so I'm here because this is where God has called me to be. Therefore, there must be a purpose for me being here. So I believe there is hope or else I I wouldn't be here. I think there's hope for the denomination. I think there's light in the denomination. We need to invest in that and really go for that. I think there's hope. You, You talk about the world and the mess. The world is broken. There's no doubt about that. It's politically broken. Uh, it, societies are broken. And, and we feel that here in the UK, in what's been a fairly stable economic community, we are just broken. Um, but we, we weren't promised that it wouldn't be at any point. The world has been broken. The days of Jesus, it was a fairly broken sure. time. Uh, so we weren't promised anything different. We, we have to live as people of hope and light in the midst of the broken world in which we find ourselves. It's been broken since Genesis chapter 3. Um, It's been broken and will remain broken until the restoration of all things. Uh, We have to find ourselves living in the midst of it, going, actually, we believe there is hope. And therefore, if we can't 
communicate that, if we can't stand for that, if we can't allow God to be working through us and showing the difference that Jesus makes in the midst of that darkness and that, that, that hopelessness, then we may as well shut up shop and just put the for sale sign on the door because we have a responsibility in this world we find ourselves in to be the people of hope. Um, well, I think, otherwise, I, we're done for. You know, I think, Ashley, that might be as good an answer as I've ever heard. You are where you are because you feel called to be there and yeah. you haven't felt released. So all exactly. we can do is, is be faithful to what God yeah. asks us to do in whatever context we find Absolutely. ourselves and I know yours is very different and God asked something very different of you. And that's, and Shane, I know you and I've had that conversation over coffee at different points in, in the early days of when you were beginning to explore, is God calling us out of something? Yes. And absolutely, you've got to respond when God calls you out of something. You've got to be just as faithful as when God calls you into something. Absolutely. And be listening just as carefully. Absolutely. Ashley, before we go, I, I, you've revived something at Cliff College that uh, kind of oh, yeah. was a part of this historic past. It's called the Trek Cart. Yes. It has absolutely captured my personal imagination. So as we close this thing, tell us about yeah. the Trek Cart at Cliff College. Folks, you need to Google this. You need yeah, to find out this is online. awesome. Tell us about it, it Ashley. The, the trek goes right back to the early days of Cliff College in the early 1900s. Of course, the days before social media and before cars or, 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 or transport was really around. Uh, so what, what the students used to do at Cliff, they'd come for a year and then we'd have lots of tr literally carts, uh, like old horse and cart type carts. And they'd fill the carts with Bibles and they'd fill the carts with tracts. And we would send groups of students out from the college for weeks on end to literally walk with the cart into communities, start preaching the gospel, get a crowd around. I have, I have a, a card that somebody sent to me last two weeks ago. Uh, somebody went into a charity shop. Uh, that's kind of a, do you understand charity shop in the US? Yes, yes, a resale yes. shop. Yeah, something like that. They got into one of these shops and bought a book. When they got home, they found that this book had a bookmark in it that was somebody who became a Christian in 1936 on the trek. And wow. Been, held, and this was a decision for Christ card. I made my decision for Christ, 1936 Cliff College trek. Wow. And this came to me two weeks ago. And they carried this card every day as their bookmark. And, it had come, and this person obviously bought this book and sent me the card saying you might be interested in this. That lives, and I go to communities all over this country and hear stories of people. It was when the Trek cart came to my community that I became a Christian. It was the Trek wow. cart that planted a new church in this community. And, and so it stopped. in nine, The last Trek was in 1960 because, of course, things it became difficult with the Trek cart, with roads and cars and lorries and the world changed and the UK community changed. And, and so they had to think differently about how they did mission with Cliff students. But I said, I want to, I want to take us back to that. I want to get back to that. <laughs> so we did the first trek in since 1960 at, at Easter this year. I and love we, it. Walked, we walked the route of the last ever trek to Morecambe place on the beach uh, 
on the other side, literally on the opposite side of the country from where we are. And we walked about 12 miles a day with the trek cart through villages and towns. And we wow. chatted to people and we, we, we took it onto the beachfronts. I love a it. A place called Blackpool, which is a big, big beachfront. And we just talked because the trek cart was just, people just kind of stopped to look at it. Um, <laughs> and it was a communication starter. Literally, mm. what what on earth is that? And so we we were talking all the way, and we walked forty plus miles with this thing. Each evening, we had a celebration in a local Methodist church, and they invited folk. And we ended with a big open air on the beachfront at Morecambe with the cart. And we're doing this again next year uh, to a place. We're, actually, we're going to Scarborough, Shane. Oh, I love uh, Scarborough. All that area there along the seafront. We're going to walk for forty miles up the seafront with the cart uh, next year to Scarborough which will be great. It's just, it's imaginative, but it takes us back to our roots and reminds our students now what students used to do to communicate the gospel. Uh, but it is, it just kind of roots us back in that we're, we're all about mission. We're all about evangelism. We're all about communicating faith. Yes, that was the way they did it. And we do it partly as a bit of fun with our students, but partly as an opportunity just to catch the imagination of those we walk through and to be able to tell some of our story, but most importantly, to be able to tell something of Jesus's story in the midst of that. Incredible, Ashley. And it's been so wonderful to talk with you, to hear your story, hear your passion. Um, but we would love to pray for you. I know our audience would love to pray for you as well. How can we do that? And I'd love to close today with a prayer for you. Yeah. Now, clearly, we talked about coming out of pandemic, the college uh, through pandemic. Um, it was very costly to us financially. Uh, so praying for us to kind of make our way out of that carefully and safely financially would be really helpful. Yes. But for the for the new opportunities, the, the, the gap year, the new degree program and the trek uh, mm. would be really good if we could pray into those things. That'd be great. Great. Can I pray right now? That'd be superb. Thanks, Mike. Right. Father God, we thank you for Ashley, first of all. God, I'm grateful for the passion that he has for you, how you have clearly touched his life, and that we've heard that he is a man who's going to be obedient to you. He's going to listen to your call. God, we thank you for Cliff College and the wonderful history of how you have used Cliff College and how you are still using it this day. God, the pandemic has taken its toll on this entire world, including the college. And we pray, Lord God, as they financially find their way through this, that you give them great wisdom as they put their plans together, that you bring donors and students, Lord God, to keep it financially healthy as well. God, I also thank you for the clear innovation, the clear work that you are doing through this college with the new programs, with the Trek cart, Lord, as well, and how you are reaching people for Christ. We pray for your favor upon the innovation. We pray for your favor upon the gospel. We pray for your favor upon all those students, Lord God, that you are bringing. And we pray, God, that the sense of your light and your brightness shines even brighter than ever before on Cliff mm -hmm. College, on all the faculty and all the staff and all the students, God. We love you. We thank you for Ashley. We pray your blessings to be upon him and his family. We pray this through Jesus' strong name. Amen. 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 So great to talk with you, Ashley. I hope that was what you wanted. <laughs> it, was, it was fantastic. Thank you. Come and see us soon. I intend to. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We want to thank Ashley for joining us. And if you'd like to learn more about Cliff College 
or any of the programs that Ashley shared with us today, make sure you go to cliffcollege.ac.uk. Well, thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. We're grateful that you joined us for the show today. And remember to keep the change.